to God. Isn't he wonderful? Hallelujah. Well, God is good. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we just want um, right now, we want to just pray in agreement with um, Fishers. Uh, Kale is traveling to France, and uh, I just haven't heard anything from him. And so we just believe in the name of Jesus. We're going to agree with them um, that no weapon that might have been formed against Kale shall prosper. But he is redeemed of the Lord. He is victorious. And so right now, we just pray for Steve and Patty, and we pray for peace right now in the name of Jesus. Whatever is affecting and hindering the communication uh, between them and Kale, we command those lines to be open in Jesus' name, that they might hear from him, that they might be able to have that assurance in Jesus' name that he is safe, that everything is going well as it's supposed to, as it's been planned to, in Jesus' name. And so we just pray for Kale right now. We thank you, Father, that ministering angels have gone forth to minister to his every need. We thank you, Father, that he is more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. And we declare, Father, that the ways of communication are open to him right now, that he might be able to communicate with his mom and dad. And so, Father, in this entire situation, we just speak peace, peace, peace in Jesus' name. Grace be manifested on their behalf in Jesus' name. And everybody that agrees with uh, them and us say, Amen. It shall be so in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father, for your goodness and for your love in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Glory to God. Well, you know, here we are at uh, Christmas time. And you know, for <clears throat> 39 Christmases that I've been a pastor, I've struggled 39 times. And, and the reason that I struggle is... The Christmas message is so wonderful. How do you add to it? I mean, what can you do to add to that Christmas message that is so marvelous? And so this, this morning what I want to do is I want to talk about Jesus being born. And I want to talk about nine reasons why Jesus was born. You know, because it's all about that birth, him coming in the flesh, that if he hadn't come, you and I, we would still be lost. We would still be without hope. Um, you know, during this time of the year, I, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know about you. I just avoid going to Des Moines as I, if I possibly can. <laughs> you know, because it's, it's just nutso. I mean, I, you know, I'm a preacher, you know, so I go during the week and I go down there during the week and I think, don't any of these people have jobs? <laughs> what are they doing shopping on Thursday? They ought to be at work. Amen. Amen. You know, it's, it's, it's nuts. So it's crazy. And, but, but you know what? 
That's Christmas to the world. You know, there are so many people in this world that they have absolutely no idea. They are totally unaware of the fact that Jesus was born for, for their salvation. Oh, they see periodically, as long as you don't go to a public place, they'll see a baby in a manger. But, you know, really, it's, it's just kind of a, a story. You know, I, I remember one time some friends of ours, and uh, they hadn't grown up in the church, and one Christmas they were talking about how her favorite Christmas Bible story was the drummer boy. Now, I hope you understand that that's a joke. You know, there, there is no Bible story of the drummer boy. Well, that was, that was her favorite story, but that was her concept. But you know what? That's where Jesus, being born in a manger, that's the same concept that so many in the world have. It's no different than the drummer boy. It's just one of those stories that have been told us over the years and over the years. But Jesus came for a reason. And even though we have all of this celebration and everything going on all around us that distracts us from the real reason for Christmas. You know, this week, let's, let's make an attempt to focus on what this time is really all about. It's about a savior. It's about the word coming in flesh. It's about Father God loving us so much that he sent his most precious possession. You know, you come to our house this time of the year and it's a zoo. I mean... Um, thank goodness for card tables because I was able to sit in front of the TV set and watch the football games as I wrap presents. Our, our house is chaos. Because grandma loves her, her grandchildren and children and she will not withhold any good thing from them. The biggest, the biggest struggle that she has is when she gets the list, she wants to buy everything on the list. You know, a list is supposed to contain, you know, all of the, the, the things I would like. Well, she wants to meet every like. That, that's her, you know. But she's been created in the image of God. So it's no wonder that we love Christmas and we love the opportunity to give and to share with one another because we've been created in the image of God. God so loved that he gave. And so that love that we have in our hearts, it produces the same thing. You know, but you look at the world and it's, it's about giving to get. We give because we love, because we've been created in the image of God. And so, even though the world has missed it, it's important for us to realize that this one event that took place some 2,000 years ago was the most significant and important event 
that this world that we know had ever experienced since creation. That was that this baby came in the flesh. This word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's like I heard a preacher say one time, Jesus was the only baby that was born to die. You know, we're born to live this life. You know, last Saturday we were in Hastings and celebrated Christmas with my mom. It was her, her 100th Christmas. Or it would have technically been her 101st Christmas. Anyway, something like that. She's 100 years old, so she might have celebrated 101 Christmases. I'll have to figure that out later. I didn't think about it ahead of time. But, you know, she wasn't, she wasn't born to die. She was born to live. And so each of us, Jesus came, gave his life so that we might live. You know, I, 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 I've decided I'm going to live till I die. Amen. There, there's a lot of folk that are just kind of zombies walking around. They're not really living. Jesus came so that we might have life. And that we might have it more abundantly. Jesus came so that you and I might be able to have the abundant life. That we might live this wonderful life. Oh, it's so good to be still inhaling and exhaling air. Amen. And it's all because of Jesus. But you know what? It's been lost. And it's been lost because the focus has been taken off of God and off his Bible and it's been placed on everything else. And so now we have all of these traditions and all of these things that have absolutely nothing to do with God. You know, <clears throat> there's nothing wrong with tradition. It's just bad tradition. And bad tradition is any tradition that goes contrary to the word of God. Let me share, you're all familiar with this verse, but just confirm what I'm talking about here in Mark, the seventh chapter, and in the 13th verse. You know, <clears throat> here it says, making the word of God of no effect through your traditions, talking to the religious folk. And you know what? That's what the world has attempted to do. It's attempted to make the word of God of no effect. And the way that the world has been able to do that is by establishing traditions and getting us involved in those traditions that take our focus completely off of what Jesus has done for us. And just focusing on some kind of an event. It says, making the word of God of no effect through your traditions which you have handed down and many such things you do. And so, like I said, there's nothing wrong with tradition. It's just that when those traditions begin to take the place of Jesus and they begin to focus upon something other than Jesus and what Jesus has done for us, but you know, the other sad thing about it is there's, there's lots of folk that know that about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. And because they don't know Jesus, they don't really know why Jesus came. 
And so that's why the title of the message today, Nine Reasons Why Jesus Was Born. It was more than just to give us a nice story to be able to share once a year. Jesus was born for a reason and for reasons. And we need to be aware of them. And so I want to look at that this morning. So the, the first reason was to save us from our sins. The first and most important was to save us from our sin. Where Pastor Isaac looked in Matthew, but in Matthew 1, verse 21, it says, concerning Mary, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. The number one priority in Jesus' coming was to save humanity from their sins. But the thing about Jesus, he didn't just come for, for just simply you and me and just a few. He came from all, for all. In the Gospel of John, the first chapter, we have the account of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist has, you know, been baptizing and, and, and encouraging the Jews to turn from their trust in, in the law, to put their trust in the, common, the coming Messiah, Jesus. And he looks up and he sees Jesus and it's, he says, behold, this is John the Baptist, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You know, the tragedy of individuals going to hell is the fact that Jesus paid the price for everybody. It wasn't just for a select few. It wasn't just for the Jews. It was for the Gentiles. It was for each and every one of us that Jesus came to save the world. And that's why as a church, throughout our existence, we've made an attempt to be a part of a bigger picture that reaches out into the world. The, the video that we had this morning of John Smithwick and the ministry that he has in Thailand and throughout the world. It allows us to be a part of what Jesus really wanted to do. He wanted this wonderful message to go to, to all humanity. And so Jesus came to save the whole world, not a select group. And so all that is necessary for individuals to be able to experience and to go to heaven is for them to invite Jesus in, to stop rejecting him. And that's our call as a, as a people to make sure that as many as possible, they have the opportunity to hear what Jesus has truly done for them. And so the first reason that Jesus came was to save us from our sins. The second reason Jesus was born was to redeem us who were under the law of Moses so that we could, uh, could be adopted as God's children. The word redeem means the price is paid. If you take something to the pawn shop, 
and you leave it there, you can, you can redeem it. That's what I understand. I've never been to a pawn shop. But that's what I hear. That's the story that I've heard. That if you take that money back within a certain length of time, you can redeem that whatever it is that you've pawned. Well, you know, we were a pawn in the hand of the devil. He was using mankind. He was abusing mankind. He was lying to mankind. But Jesus came and he redeemed us. He purchased us back. You know, we, we, we initially belonged to God. When God created humanity, when God created man, he said, this is, this is really good. This is very good. And we had fellowship and we had harmony with God. But God had told man one thing. He says, there's this one tree. Everything is yours, accessible to you, for you to use. All of it, except one thing. There's this tree in the middle of the garden known as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of that tree because the day that you eat that tree, you're going to die. You're going to fall out of fellowship with God. And that's exactly what happened. And so for all of those 6,000 years, man was in the control of the evil one. Why? Because he took ownership. Because Adam had sold out. We were in the pawn shop. We're the enemy's pawn used for his purpose. But Jesus came along. And Jesus ultimately paid the price through his death, burial, and the resurrection that we might be redeemed, that we might be purchased back, bought back. We now belong to Almighty God once again. We are not in, in the control of, or we are no longer a pawn of the evil one. We are God's property. And we need to recognize what God has truly done for us. Jesus paid the ransom for sin on our behalf. To redeem that, them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. You're not just simply saved. You're a son of God. You're a child of God. You've been grafted in. You belong to him. Galatians 4, 5, it says, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. You know, that's very significant because, you know, sonship carries certain privileges. There's certain things belong to you when, you, when, you, when, you're, when you're the son of God. Your sons, your daughters, there's certain privileges that go along with that. You know, and that's how it is with Almighty God. He's not withholding any good thing from us. Why? Because we've been redeemed. And because we've been redeemed, we're the children of God. The third reason was to fulfill the law which we could not fulfill. You know, through the ages, man tried. The law was given on Mount Sinai. And man tried with all of their strength, with all their power to try to abide by the laws. I don't know about you, I tried. And I failed miserably. 
until I came to the realization that by the grace of God, Jesus completed it all. He, he kept it all. He fulfilled it so that I would no longer have to try to meet these requirements because it was an impossibility for me to do that because the Bible says, and it says this in James 2.10, for whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point is guilty of all. So, I was not just simply a liar. I was a murderer. I was an adulterer. I was a thief. I was everything that the law says that man is because I'd failed in one point. And the Bible says that if you're going to live by the law, if you're going to abide by the law, if you fail in one point, if you mess up on one of the six, 600 commands or laws that were given through Moses, you've, you've committed them all. You failed in all of them. But you know what? I'm no longer a lawbreaker. Amen. I'm no longer a lawbreaker, but it's not because of what I've done. It's because of what Jesus did for me. He fulfilled the law so that I'm no longer under the law. Now, don't misunderstand me. That doesn't mean that now I can go out and do whatever I want because Jesus fulfilled the law. No, it means because of what Jesus has done for me, I want to please him. I want to serve him. And if I'm pleasing him and if I'm serving him, that means that through the power of the Holy Spirit leading me in my life, I want to keep it. I want to keep the law. But my focus isn't on the law. My focus is on Jesus. And you know, it's an interesting thing. As long as I keep my eyes on Jesus, I'm not going to do the stuff. I'm going to follow after him and allow him to lead me. So I'm no longer guilty. I've been set free. I've been redeemed through the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony. And the word of my testimony is, is Jesus was enough. He's my Lord and Savior and he's enough. I don't need anything else. I just need him. The fourth reason was to be a mediator of a better covenant. Everybody say better covenant. Better covenant. Better. Or as we would say in Minnesota, it's a gooder. It's a gooder covenant. Staff based on gooder promises. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We don't really say that up there, but it has preached well over the last years. But it is a better covenant. Now, now, now help me with this, okay. If it's better, then it's better. So the other is worser. And it's better. Amen. So, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if you've ever, ever tasted my wife's home cooking. 
but it's, re it's really good, by the way. And, you know, a lot of people like to go, and I like to go to restaurants, too. But <clears throat> why would I want to go to a restaurant when I can have the better at home? Now, I, I mean, you may wonder why food is significant. Well, just take one look and you can, <laughs> you can understand what I'm talking about here. But, but see, you know, it's, it's better. You know, it, it's kind of like, you know, growing up, you know, we always thought it was really a good treat to go out and have a, a steak and baked potatoes and so forth, all those good things. Well, you know, I don't see Bob. Is Bob not in here? Well, anyway, you know, Bob cuts us some really good steaks at Fairway. You know, and, uh, and most of you guys grill, but I don't get to grill because my wife is really particular about how those steaks are done, so she grills them. And it's all right with me because it's better. And, uh, and, and she makes the things that go along with the steaks. And so, you know, I very seldom get a steak when I go out anymore because it's not as good as what I can get at home. It's better. Now, that, that's easy to understand, right? So why is it so difficult for us to understand that to not be under the old covenant, that it's better to be under the new covenant? Because it's established on better covenant, on better promises. So why do we always try to go back and get back underneath that old covenant? which isn't as good as the new covenant. We have the new covenant. It's a better covenant. It's established upon better promises. And it was given to us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And not only do we have to look through to some priest to reveal it to us. Jesus, one of the reasons that he came was that he might be the mediator that he might make sure that we get it clearly. Listen to this. Hebrews 8.6 For now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant which is established on better promises. Nobody could keep the law. And so Jesus came as a mediator. That's the one in between. Remember Job? Job made this statement. He says, I can't find an umpire. I can't find a mediator. I can't find an in-between between me and God. Well, we have one. His name is Jesus Christ. And he's come for the purpose of mediating the covenant. What does that mean? He's come so that we might see it that it might be revealed to us. Jesus, the Word, became flesh so that this Word might be opened up to us and that we might be able to see fully and clearly everything that has been accomplished for each and every one of us. We are no longer under the law. We are under a covenant we're able to keep. And why are we able to keep it? 
we're able to keep it because of Jesus, because he completed it, because he sent us the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself now. But he sent the Holy Spirit to be able to lead us and to direct us. The fifth reason Jesus came to earth was to bring grace and truth. Grace and truth are both the same. Jesus brought them simultaneously. And so you can't have truth without grace. And you'll never experience grace without truth. Because grace and truth are based upon the promises that Jesus came to mediate to you and I. So that we might know that truth and that we might walk in the fullness of it. 1 John 1.17 it says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law was given to Moses and what that law did, it, was, it revealed to man, you need a savior. You can't do this on your own. If the law could have fulfilled the need, there would have been no need for Jesus. But there was a need for Jesus. Why? Because man could not keep the law. And as we already read, if you failed the law in one point, you were guilty of all the law. But Jesus came and Jesus fulfilled the law. He kept it. And every jot, every tittle, he did it all. And he did it for you and I. So that we might experience the abundant life. And so the law came through Moses. But grace and truth came through Jesus. You will never know truth without Jesus. You know, we look at the world and the world talks about love. I mean, you talk about some of the stuff they demonstrate as being love. Why? Because they don't understand love. They don't understand it because leaving God out of love, love will always be incomplete. And that's how it is in, in any area of our life, any, any subject, any topic that you want to talk about, if you leave God out of it, if you leave truth out of it, it's incomplete. And what will happen is when you leave that truth out, grace goes by the wayside. And so Jesus came and he brought grace and truth. Christ has paid for our sins opened heaven to us and offered us eternal salvation. It's all through Jesus. If we had to do it on our own, <laughs> we won't make it. But we get to make it because of Jesus. Sixth reason Jesus was born was paid a price for our sins. You know, God is just. Amen. Thank God he's just because if he wasn't just, we couldn't depend upon him. So God is just and, and because God is just, he couldn't just overlook sin. You know, <clears throat> um, we, we got a few grandparents here this morning. Did you ever notice that when your grandkids 
do something they probably really shouldn't have done, you have a tendency to overlook it. <laughs> yeah, you all identify with me or, or is this all foreign to you? You know, I, <clears throat> I remember Isaac sitting in the front row. This is good for sitting in the front row. <clears throat> I remember them coming to our house one year for, I don't remember what the holiday was or whatever it was. And, and anyway, we went out and, and we, we met them in the front yard and, and Isaac jumps out of the car and he takes off running around the house. Well, I, I know what that meant, you know. He wasn't about to go into the house. All, anybody under the age of 13, plug your ears, you know. <clears throat> and, and so he ran around the house because he had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and and so, so rather than go into the house, he thought he'd just go behind a bush. Because after all, isn't that what bushes are for? All the men say, amen. Don't look at me with that tone of voice. Every one of you, I know. Some of you, well, I won't go there. But he went around the house and, and words came out of my mouth that I would have never imagined coming out of my mouth. It was something like, better hurry up and get that done before your parents see you. Now for everybody, you should not go to the bathroom in my front yard, okay. <laughs> but it was my grandson. And so it was overlooked. Now they've all got a new image of oh, you, yeah. Isaac. <laughs> Hallelujah. We just, we just want truth here, amen. But you know what? God is not our grandfather. He's our father. And so he can't overlook it because he's a just God. And so because he could not overlook it, but yet he knew we could not keep it. He gave us an avenue. He gave us a way. That way was Jesus. Jesus came and he fulfilled the law because God could not overlook our shortcomings. There had to be a price that was paid. The wages, the consequence of sin is death. And Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our Messiah, gave his life. He was innocent. But he was our substitute and he gave his life so that you and I might have life. He couldn't overlook it. Thank God he didn't overlook it because if he had we would still be lost. But he didn't. Through Jesus Christ, the price was paid. 1 John 2, 2, it says, and he himself, we've talked about this in the past, but when, when here where it says he himself, it means he and nobody else. Nobody else could pay that price. Nobody else could be that substitute. Jesus was the only one that was qualified to be our substitute. And it says, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Here we have it. Jesus came. He died not just simply for my sin and for your sin, but the sin of the entire world. 
that individual that blasphemes the name of God, Jesus died for him. You think of the most evil individual that ever walked upon the face of the earth, Jesus died for that individual. That's the love of God. We can't comprehend, I can't comprehend it. I can't understand it because it's too massive, it's too great for me. But that's the God that we love. He was willing to pay the price to forgive the sins of all. But there are those that reject what he's done for them. And so the ransom was expensive and no one could afford it. But he was our peace offering. He paid the price. You know, your salvation is free. But there's absolutely nothing cheap about it. It cost God everything so that you and I might be saved. And that's what we see. This is Christmas. This is what Jesus came for, for you and me. The seventh reason, so that we could have everlasting life. Glory to God is right. Amen. That we might have everlasting life. For those who are born again, that life has already begun. It's ours. It belongs to us. John 3.16, the passage that if you've ever memorized the passage, is probably one of the first you memorized. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He didn't come just so that we could have an interim of peace, a short time of contentment. He came that we might have everlasting life. Eternity. I've shared with you when I was able to identify with it because growing up in that little Grace Lutheran's church in Ewington, Minnesota, my mom played the organ. And uh, so I had to sit in the front row because the organ was right there. And so every Sunday, there's, there's where I sat. And I remember reading Pat Boone's book. And in Pat Boone's book, he, he talked about how growing up in, in the church and the preacher was talking on eternity. And he says, I'm sitting there thinking, a hundred years, a thousand years, a million years of church. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there in the front row, you know, and I look back and I, I was kind of thinking the same thing. But you know what? I want you to know this morning that your relationship with God, your eternity is so much, much more than that. The reason I sat in the front row and I could identify with it was because I knew about Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus. Interesting thing is that church totally changed in my life the moment that I had a personal relationship with him. Because I realized 
because of what Jesus has done for me, the abundant life has been made available to me. The more intimately I know Jesus, the more joyous my walk is going to be with him because the more I'm going to be aware of what he's done for me. That's what relationship does with us and that's the relationship that we're to have with him. We do not need to be afraid when we miss the mark because Jesus has already taken care of all of our sins. Now I'm not giving you a license to sin but I want you to know this. The sin issue has already been taken care of. It's been taken care of in Jesus. And so often as believers we spend so much of our time focusing on the sin that it draws us. That which we focus on dominates our life. Going back years and years, Kenneth Copeland talked about having a sin consciousness. And you look at so many believers today, they have a sin consciousness. They're constantly dwelling on sin. They're constantly rehearsing their failures and their shortcomings. Rather than looking at what Jesus has done for us, and when we do that, we get a righteousness consciousness. We no longer dwell on self. We begin to focus on Jesus. And when we focus on Jesus, the sin question begins to disappear. Because our focus isn't on what I've done, my focus is on what he's done. And when I focus on what he's done, I want to please him, I want to follow after him. And so the pull that sin has in my life begins to lessen, goes by the wayside. Notice I said lesson. I didn't say it goes away. Because let me tell you something. As long as you're sucking air, the enemy is going to try to take you down. But he can't. Because we have the victory in Christ Jesus. The eighth reason was to end condemnation and replace it with salvation. Condemnation has to, <clears throat> has to do with the idea of that, of not done enough. Why do we have condemnation? Because, well, have I really done enough? Let me tell you something. If you're basing your confidence in God on whether you have done enough or not, you will, it'll never be satisfied. Because you'll never, you'll never come to that place where you have confidence that I've truly done enough. Because we can never do enough. And so once again, con condemnation isn't based on what I've done. It's based on not recognizing what Jesus has done. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And so as a born-again believer, I walk according to the Spirit. You as a born-again believer, you walk according to the Spirit. 
Now when we, we shut our eyes to the things of God, we may get off the path, we may get where we don't want to be, but you know what? All we need to do is open our eyes and look to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, and allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives and we'll get back on the path where we need to be. But see, condemnation will always hold you down. It'll always keep you from seeing yourself the way God sees you. We need to see ourselves through the eyes of the Spirit and not through the eyes of the flesh. We no longer have to deal with whether or not I've done enough because Jesus has done it all. You know, we quoted John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But have you ever gone on to the 17th verse where it says, For God did not send his Son. Notice, God sent his Son. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. But the, that the world through him might be saved. God doesn't condemn me. I condemn me. The accuser of the brethren condemns me. And so really it goes through my mind, my intellect. That's where the condemnation comes from. See, <clears throat> the accuser of the brethren, because people always use Job as the example. How, how Satan came before God and brought accusation against Job. And so everybody has this idea that, that Satan is up there in the face of God bringing accusation against you and me. But he's not. Do you know why? Because Jesus cleaned out heaven and the accuser of the brethren has been cast down. But I want you to know something. The accuser of the brethren, the devil, wasn't cast down until we were equipped to handle it. And that's known as the Holy Spirit that came into our life that we are to be able to recognize between truth and error. Grace and truth has revealed to us what Jesus has done for us. And so when that accusation comes against us, that's why we say, get ye behind me, Satan. You know, there's a lot of thoughts that come into your head. You had nothing to do with that thought because you had never thought it before. Well, where did it come from? The accuser of the brethren. Well, I guess God's trying to tell me something. It isn't God. Because he doesn't bring guilt and condemnation in your life. That's the accuser. That's the enemy. He's wanting to bring you down. So that's why this little book is so important to each and every one of us because as we read this little book, we get to know Jesus. We get to know his ways. We get to know what he intends for each and every one of us. And so when that thought comes, we're able to, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound, that's not how my God talks to me. 
And so he cast it down. Why? Because it's not from God. It's from the evil one. No condemnation. You know, God does speak things to our life. God does bring correction into our life. But he doesn't do it to condemn us. He does it to take us forward. You know, there was a coach up at St. John's University in Minnesota War time. His division too, he has, I don't know if he's still coaching or not, but he had the winningest record. He won more games than any other coach, division two. And uh, he is such a good coach. Um, that's where Bud Grant sent his boys to go to school. Y'all know who Bud Grant is, don't you? If you don't, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, Lord, forgive them. <clears throat> but, but this coach, he believed in positive reinforcement. Not negativity, but yet at the same time, he realized that correction had to be made. And they did a special thing on ESPN on him and they're, they're interviewing him and they're following him around and, and the interview realized that none of the coaches had whistles. And, and they say, you don't have a whistle? And he says, no, I, I don't, I don't believe in them. And he says, why don't you have a whistle? And he says, well, I wouldn't want somebody blowing one of those things at me. Why would I blow it at somebody else? So they didn't have whistles. But all he had to do was raise his voice and say, come over here. And so I was during a game, and one of his offensive guards, he called him to the sideline, and he says, on that last play, he said, uh, could you take your man to the inside rather than the outside? And he says, well, yeah, I can do that. And he says, well, why don't you do that then? That was his correction. But you know what? He was corrected without saying, what in the world are you doing? That was the stupidest thing in the world. Why did you take him to the outside? You should have taken him to the inside. That's what we see on TV all the time. But yet, just said, why don't you do it? And you know what? From then on, that's what he did. That's correction. That's how the Holy Spirit wants to work in your life and in my life. It's not by telling you how rotten, no good, and stupid you are. It's by saying, this is better for your life. You follow me. And I will lead you down a path. I'll lead you in a way that will always take you to greater and greater victories. Because what does the Bible say? It says that God wants to take us from glory to to glory, to glory. And so for him to take us from glory to glory to glory, that means there has to be change. There has to be improvement. There has to be adjustments made in our life. And that's why the Holy Spirit has come. He's come to do that in your life, in my life. But he's gentle. He's loving. Remember when Jesus spoke uh, to his disciples and he, he told them it's to your advantage that I go away and they just could not understand it. 
he said to his disciples, he says, but when I go away, I'm going to send you another comforter. So that says that Jesus was their comforter. Because he says, I'm going to send you another comforter. And in the Greek, there, there's, there's two words for another. One of the another's means another, but he's different. But then there's another word for another. And that means one that's just exactly the same. The Holy Spirit, typically it would be so since they're one. But the Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. When you see how Jesus ministered to individuals, that's how the Holy Spirit wants to minister to us and through us in the lives of others. And so why did Jesus come? He came to take away condemnation. That he might encourage us and strengthen us. In Psalms 103, 12 it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. That means he's not going to remember them anymore. That's a clue for you and I. When your failings, your shortcomings are brought to your remembrance. It's not God. It's not the Holy Spirit doing it. Why? Because he doesn't remember it. It's as far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed transgressions from us. And then finally, the ninth reason was to make the Holy Spirit available to all of us. As you can see, I had a hard time staying on track and not getting ahead of myself. Because we are so dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, 32 and 33. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. The Holy Spirit is our visible partner, our guide. He leads us through life and he directs our steps. We need him. And we have the confidence and the assurance because he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I know those are the words of Jesus, but Jesus and the Holy Ghost are one and the same. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And so in that, in that lowest moment, he's not there to condemn you and tell you it's hopeless. He's there to give you hope. And to guide you into victory. To guide you in that place where nothing that the enemy will bring against you. It's not going to deceive you. It's not going to have you. That's our Jesus. See, that's what we celebrate at Christmas. 
It's so much more than having a manger with a baby in it. Yes, that's when Jesus took on flesh. It was a very significant event in the world. But it doesn't, it doesn't end with that. Jesus came so that he might be that sacrifice, that mediator, that one who paid the price so that each and every one of us may experience eternal life. Glory to God. He's so wonderful. Such a marvelous, marvelous Savior we have in Jesus. And so let's rejoice in him. Let's not lose hope. Let's not allow the conditions around us to dictate to us. Let's allow the Holy Spirit speak to us and lead us because he'll take us into truth and truth and grace are synonymous with one another because they were both given to us by Jesus, by God. The law came by Moses but grace and truth through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith. We thank you that he was obedient to the cross, that he completed his assignment, that he died on that cross he went to hell, but that he was raised from the dead for our justification. That he's seated with you at the right hand, the Father uh, on your right hand, but did not leave us alone, but sent us the Holy Spirit to live within us, to abide with us, to guide us into all truth. Father, I pray that we would never make light that we would never lose sight, that we would never allow ourselves to not recognize what truly took place on that Christmas morn and how as a result of that birth of a Savior, this world would never be the same. And so we thank you today we give you praise in that name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus, our Lord, our Savior. Amen. And so as you go, go in his peace, go in his strength, go in his love, go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in the magnificent name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Give somebody a hug. Let them know you love them. Have a merry, merry...